praise to the Lord and give Him praise. Come on, He's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's good to be with you in the house of the Lord on this Sunday. Thank God for the privilege that we have in this great nation that we live in to be able to gather together on a Sunday, lift our hands, clap our hands, lift our voices, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Come on now. There's a lot of folks that can't do that in this world, but we can. Amen. We certainly give honor to Bishop and Sister Purdue in their absence, and uh, I, I, I don't take for granted any man's pulpit. And uh, especially for him to trust me when he's not here, it means a lot to me, and I appreciate it so very much. Uh, God's been so good to us. Thank you, Brother Horner, for the introduction. Thank you, praise team, worship team, for leading us into the presence of the Lord. And uh, I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 and verse 29. If you're there, say amen. If you're not there, just look at the screen. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus answering, said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and Passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence gave them to the host, said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou. Likewise, I'm going to preach to you today just for the sake of your remembrance on this thought, kingdom costs, kingdom costs. Before we pray, I just want to tell you that we have this huge misconception in the church. That the church is about our getting 
and not our giving. There's not any doubt in my mind that when some of you walked in today, it was not on your mind that there would be somebody in this building today that you could minister to. But when you walked in, it was your life circumstances. It was your situation. It was your hoping that some way God would give you a word. But I want to tell Heritage Apostolic today that if you want to move of God and you want to have revival and you want God to fill this church with souls, I know he's done it before and he'll do it again. I wish somebody would help me right here. But I want you to understand that there are costs in the kingdom. And it's not just from the pulpit, but it's in the pew. It will cost us something to see the move of God. God's looking for somebody that will minister to somebody. Would you put your Bibles down lift your hands up right now? Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask you right now, touch every mind, every heart, every soul. Help us to realize and understand, God, that you want to use us in this last day to perpetuate the moving of your spirit and the outpouring of revival in this hour. God, stir our hearts with conviction. Draw us to you, God, and let us leave with a fresh vision of the calling that we have on each and every one of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It's a very familiar parable. We all know it. The parable of the Good Samaritan, we call it. It tells us of a man who had fallen among thieves and had been greatly hurt. And the misery inflicted by these wicked men exactly mirrors the chaos inflicted by the devil and sin and the other enemies of the soul. We could go through the characters today. Won't take a lot of time, but the Samaritan represents Jesus Christ and the man, a sinner, and the thieves, the devil, and the enemies of the soul and the priest is the religious order of the day. The Levite represents the law of Moses and the order of Aaron and the innkeeper, a saint or minister and the inn is the church. The inn is a place of care and comfort and fellowship to a host of people. It was always well stored with provisions for the travelers who came by. Not only was it a place of fellowship, but it was a safe place of protection from the wandering bands of thieves and robbers. Can I rise on this Sunday afternoon to tell you that there's no safer place than the house of God. There's no safer place for your family than the church. Come on, somebody help me right here. There's no safer place for the wayfaring man than the house 
of God. It's a parable. God's trying to speak to us today. Verse 35, the Bible tells us. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Now, please hear me today. I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm standing in the midst of some exhausted people. You've exhausted your resources. You've exhausted your strength physically and spiritually and you feel wrung out. But I'm going to talk to you today about what to do when you're exhausted. Come on, somebody. And it's not going to be what you think it is. It's not going to be run to the doctor, to the counselor, to the psychiatrist, the pill bottle or the drink bottle. That's not what it is. I want you to know that in order for you to get better, you got to help somebody else get better. What will you do when you have exhausted the resources of the Samaritan? There's something of a commitment that pours forth from the actions of the innkeeper. You see, he had no idea when the Samaritan was coming back. He gave him two pence. I don't know. Exactly, I suppose I should have looked to see how much two pence represented. I don't know how much it was, but what I do know is in a day in which the money's going out faster than it's coming in, the innkeeper felt that pressure. Thomas Carlyle said, a man with half a commitment goes backwards and forwards and makes no way on the smoothest smoothest road a man with a whole commitment advances on the roughest and will reach his purpose if there's even a little bit of wisdom in it the man without a commitment is like a ship without a rudder a waif a nothing a no man have commitment in life and having it throws such strength and mind and muscle into your work as God has given you. Now here's one for you. Self-preservation is the first law of nature. Self-sacrifice is the highest rule of grace. Listen, I've been pastoring, bishoping, leading, ministering for 40 years now. And I know people pretty well. And I know there are certain folks in a congregation that every service is about them. They're the first ones in the prayer line. They're the first one with a handout. Ah, just stay with me just a minute. I'm going to try to help somebody today. 
I've told people in my years of ministering to folks that the best solution to your ill is for you to minister to somebody else. You want to get your mind off your problem, off your circumstance? There are some costs to the kingdom. And if you take that trouble that you're going through and turn it over to Jesus and let the gift of God that's in you begin to operate through you, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, cast out devils. Come on, somebody help me right here. We have the ability to see God move. There are some things that I want to draw from this parable. I may move a little differently. I promise I won't let your roast burn, but just stay with me right here. Four points or laws from this parable that I want to get to you today. First of all, we always start with something. Whatever we do for the Lord, we always start with something. I want you to think back for a moment about some of the past experiences in your life. Think of the student who starts the classes with some great dream in their mind. Think of the line in the bookstore and think of the applications for college and think of the efforts of pursuing a scholarship. There's a lot of excitement with all of it and a lot of hope is felt. Consider the man who launches out and starts that new business He walks away from security and the stability of a job to follow a dream. What of those who are getting married? They all begin marriage with a lot of feeling and fire. Think of that first real job, the one that you work long and hard in preparation to finally get. Remember the first day you went in and thought to yourself, I feel guilty getting paid to do something that I enjoy doing so much. What about that first Sunday you stepped into the Sunday school class to teach? What of the first time you sang that special song? And what of the man who goes and takes a church? All of them felt like They were doing something to inspire and encourage spiritual growth and conversion in others. We start all of these endeavors with something. But as with all beginnings, there always comes a point where we begin to evaluate. We begin to look and to question. Where did the excitement go? Where did the motivation sneak off to? Why am I even doing or trying to work through all of this? I'm trying to help somebody here. You find out a lot about a man when all the marching bands aren't playing anymore and when the fireworks have all died out into nothing more than puffs of smoke Suddenly the reality settles in that commitment is
is the real key to being something great and strong and doing something great. Listen to me right now. I'm going to talk to you just a little bit. I, I know a little bit about where you are right now, and I want you to know that every church ebbs and flows. Every church grows, and, and then folks go away and grows again. I've been there. I've done all of that, but I want to tell this church the thing that's going to cause this church to rebound and have revival is your commitment not to yourself but to the needs of other people that God's going to send you that walk through those doors that need somebody to wrap their arms around them and love them and care for them until they get on their feet to help somebody else. Thoughts flit through your mind. This task is too big for me. Its weight is too challenging for me to overcome. It usually happens when you fail the second or third test. Happens when the bottom line on the new business has spent more time in the red than in the black. Happens when customers complain and spouses get testy. It all settles in when the class is noisy and disruptive. It takes place when the song is off key. It takes place when the attendance drifts and the law comes to the pews. Few people ever thought it would come to this place in life where they would say, it's too hard to keep going. The track has become too steep. I'm weary with the demands of this endeavor. Hidden deep within the parable that I read to you is a lesson for the weary and the troubled. The Samaritan gave the innkeeper some money and then it was all consumed on the victim. Paul said, all I want to do is just be spent. I just want to be spent. At the end of my life, it doesn't matter what I've accrued. doesn't matter the success or the titles behind my name. All I want to do is to be spent for the kingdom of God's sake. We never realize, like that innkeeper, that our own oil, our own wine would have to be poured into the wounds of the injured. We never considered that we would have to spend some of our own resources to buy more four-by-four gauze and tape and bandages. Our exhausted hopes, our exhausted prayers, our exhausted faith, our exhausted efforts, our exhausted resources. You ever been there? You have. What happens to us in our minds starts to get into the place that there is, has a huge outcome on the future. It's a time 
in the life of a missionary when the sense of loneliness and the keen want of human sympathy hits home like a bleak and bitter east wind. They suddenly realize there's no family around. There's no friends to be had. I'm here and there's no one around me but God. Oh, I want to help somebody today. I know you wanted me to make you shout today, but I'm trying to help this church move into the next level of revival. God wants to move you into something that's bigger than you are, but you must understand it's going to come from the cost of the kingdom. It's only after resources have been exhausted that we can come to the place of understanding exactly how difficult it is to really be what God wants us to be. It's easy to quit and give up. You're not hearing me. I said it's easy to quit and give up, but it's much more noble to press on and still believe that whatever the task may be, it can be accomplished and fulfilled. Paul got there. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1 and 8, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. Watch this now. The Greek word for pressed is the same word that's used when it described the disciples who went to sleep when Jesus needed them to support him with their prayers. The Greek word for despaired indicates that he was utterly at loss and despondent. I'm going to talk to somebody in the Holy Ghost right here. You're still in the right place at the right time with the right God for a move of His Spirit that will transform your family, that will transform your friends, that will cause this community to to look up and take notice. Let me tell you what God's getting ready to do for Heritage Apostolic. Hear me right here. Several months ago now, even a few years ago now, we were in the middle of cuss word 19. You'll get that in a minute. And I was praying at the church, Brother Horner, and the devil was saying, <laughs> I about got the church where I want it now. She's on the brink of destruction. And I was praying and seeking God. And God said, oh, no. He said, I want you to tell my people everywhere you go. She's not on the brink of destruction. She's on the brink of distinction. Watch this now. God said, I'm about to raise up a people in this generation that even churches from around the community are going to come to her because I'm going to make her distinct. I'm going to raise up an apostolic congregation that the alcoholic and the drug addict, when they walk through the door and feel the power of God, they will be delivered. The backslider will run. Hear me? The backslider will run back to the house of the Lord. The prodigal son will come back. 
Come on. I'm going to tell you, God's about to empty wheelchairs. He's about to throw crutches down. I wish somebody believed with me right now. It's the cost of the kingdom. Watch this. You can be seated. Watch this. Get ready. Get ready for this. Revival's coming twofold. This is how it's coming. It's coming from the backslider. Watch now. And it's coming from the denominal church. Listen to me right here. God's about to do something in the church that understands the cost of the kingdom, that realizes and understands God's about to raise you up and make you distinct in this city. Come on, they're going to hear about you at the grocery store. They're going to hear about you at the factory. They're going to hear about you at the schoolhouse. God's going to raise up a church that's going to be distinct. They're going to know where to come when they need their families put back together. They're going to know where they need to come to get their healing. They're going to know where they need to come to be saved. Come on, this is no, just no building. This is the end. This is the place where the sick come to be healed. Where the injured come to be healed. Come on, let's praise him just a minute. Feel the Holy Ghost moving up in here. In the name of Jesus. Ah. Let me, you, you, before you're seated, I want you to tell somebody this is not about you. You can be seated. Listen to what Paul says. He writes to the church. He's writing to the Corinth church. This is what he said. Chapter 4, verse 7. But we, everybody say, that's me. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side. Yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. You know what Paul was doing? He was telling us of the cost of revival. But there's one more. Chapter 6 and verse 4. But in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, 
by love and fame, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. Can I tell you, you've got everything you need to make it through and navigate anything that would happen in your life, but it's not for you. God wants to give you that to use to help somebody else. So we find out we start with something. We got something. But secondly, all will be spent. We will spend it all. I know this is crazy, but I've done a lot of funerals through the years. Most of the time I'm in front of the line leading the procession, but sometimes I get in line with Folks, and for the Horner, I've ne- never one time, I've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. What do you mean, Bishop? I'm trying to tell you that all that stuff that you're spending so much time on that's going to rot away, rust away, won't do any good, wasting your time for, come on, somebody. You're not going to take it with you. But let me tell you what you can take with you. On that day when you stand before the Lord and he says to you, enter in, thou good and faithful servant, you can look at folks that are all around you and say, I invested in them. I prayed for them. I reached for them. I loved them. I poured in the wine and the oil. I took care of them until they could be saved. That's what matters. Discovered very quickly that two pence is spent shortly. Passion seeps out. Motivation disappears. Desire for doing well eludes us. Paul knew something about that. He wrote that Alexander the coppersmith had done him much evil because that Hymenius and Alexander were delivered over to Satan. He reminisces about Demas who forsook him having loved this present world. He he knew what it was to live with disappointment and hurt and personal injury and all kinds of things that none of us, there's no way that we could ever grasp what Paul went through for the gospel's sake. I'm going to give you a little something here. In order to love men, You must expect little from them. In order to love a soul, you must imagine it as it will be without spot and blemish or wrinkle or any such thing. The heir of eternal life, the conquering son of God. 
But before this expectation is realized, it will be sorely tested. Come on, you know, you know who they are. They've come to you when they walked through the doors. They were needy. They needed somebody to help them, somebody to love them, somebody to minister to them. And you did for a while, but in time you got weary. Your resources were exhausted. Your strength was exhausted. You couldn't give, you felt anymore. But I'm telling you, God wants to create a resurrection in this congregation this morning and tell you he's about to resupply everything that you need for the task that is ahead. You're going to spend it all. How nice it had been when we'd been left with a pain-filled body of a man felt hope we could restore his brokenness. We just knew that it could ease the pain of his cuts and bruises. We're certain, we're certain that it'd be our lot to get him through the entire trauma with only a few scars. But before long, we'll get tired of taking care of him. They test our limits. Much to my own regret, there were some patients that I got tired of taking care of. You work forward healing and helping the great dreams of revival, of holiness, of success, of deep prayer and even deeper revelation suddenly find yourself taxed to the limits. Life ebbs away from the dreams. You spend everything that you have. So many visions ascending to the top of the heap and having one victory after another to be the continuous pattern, the norm, not the abnormal. But now it seems like that stern gray day of the Lord has collapsed us. Now facing us is a common dusty road of duty. The weary path of responsibility that does its best to choke every bit of faith that we have. And now the heart silently protests, I think I've done enough. But then with the resources depleted and gone, the heart says, maybe... I can do more with what little resources I have left. I'm telling you that God sent me here on this Sunday afternoon to tell somebody he's about to take what you have to give and use it to bring restoration to the hurting. kind of determination that I want to infuse into you today wells up in your soul when you're on your last leg it'll cause a battle to be turned around in the very gates it's literally 
snatching victory right out of the jaws of defeat. It's Elisha telling his servant, go look again. It's the disciples tossing their nets over the side of the boat one more time. It's a little widow taking her last bit of resources and cooking the prophet a cake. It's stretching out one more time on that dead boy and praying until you hear a sneeze and he lives again. It's one more prayer revival. It's one more Accent weekend, it's one more late Saturday night of praying. It's one more letter of encouragement when you're fighting your own discouragement. It's singing one more song when your heart doesn't feel like singing. It's going back to the classroom one more time. It's going back to the job one more time. It's going back home one more time. It's doing whatever the calling is one more time. I want you to stand with me. I want you to stand with me. I'm about to challenge this church to move out in the Holy Ghost. It's at this point where the noble life begins. What do you do when you've spent all of the Samaritans two pence? Hear me very closely right here. You go, you go to the cabinet and you reach up. And you pull down the oil. Not anybody else's oil. It's your oil. It's your cost of the kingdom. You look for the gauze that's left. You find what little tape you have left. You get the wine and pour it into the wound. You go at it again, my friend. Raise those children. Love your spouse. Go back to work. Get back in school. Build the church. Put your all into life. No matter that the resources may be gone. Face down your fears today. and Look your doubt in the eye. And then spit in the eye of doubt. Pick up your Bible again. Get your Bible study again. Preach again. Pray again. Witness again. Get up again. I hear the voice of the Holy Ghost speaking to this people today. God wants to touch you. Say, preacher, we've been through a lot. Personally, spiritually, physically, as a church family, we, we've been through a lot. Let, let, me, let me tell you something. 
I'm going to give you my last point, and then we're going to pray. We began with something. We're going to spend it all. But watch this one. This is the last one. In suffering, we discover In suffering, we realize that there's something down in there that we didn't know was there. And as we begin to pray and seek God, the Holy Ghost begins to stir something up within us. That gift that is within us, that, that gift that God has given us, that Paul talked about, we, we have the excellency of that gift. It's in every one of us. I feel God speaking to my heart to say there's a spirit of restoration that's about to hit this place. Now I'm looking for people that are willing to step out and say, you know what, Bishop, I, 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 we've done it before, but I'm going to try it one more time. I'm going to take God at his word, and I'm going to try it one more time. I'm going to see what God will do. I'm going to let my problems and my circumstances be God's. And I'm going to use my experience to minister to somebody that's hurting. Somebody that has a need. I tell you today, God's going to move across this congregation this afternoon. I'm looking for somebody that will step out and say, you know what, preacher? I'm going to believe that. I'm going to try it one more time and I'm going to walk down that aisle and I'm going to put my hands up in the air and I'm going to say to God, no matter what it costs me, I'm going to spend it all. I'm going to spend it all. Come on, would you come right now? I don't know what you're waiting on, but would you come? Lift your hands to the Lord and say, God, no matter what it costs me, I'm going to spend it all. Listen, you need to understand he has unlimited resources. He won't let you run out. He won't leave you in the wilderness of your despair. He won't leave you in the midst of your circumstances. He's a God that knows exactly what you need and he wants to use you to supply the needs of others. You gotta let compassion flow out of you today. You gotta let the, the love for souls pour out of you today. God needs you to help perpetuate the moving of His Spirit in this last day. Come on, that's it. Cry out to the Lord. Cry out to the Lord. In the name of Jesus.